Tonight I'd like to speak to you on the title, The Endurance of Faith. The Endurance of Faith. Let's start in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 36 through 38. This uh, subject of faith has been on my heart and mind as of late. And Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, and verses 5 and 6, really, those two are connected, have really been on my heart and mind. And it's amazing to the things you learn. I mean, how many of you have read the Bible multiple times, and every time you read it, you learn something new? You look at it, the Word of God is always fresh. It's living water. It's flowing water. It always speaks to us. We need it. I like the theme. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. We need every word of God. And God's Word speaks to us. And it's so important. The Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the catechism of the Baptist Church. No, <laughs> the Word of God. Amen. Hearing cometh by the Word of God. Faith. Such an important subject. It's something we need to exercise every single day. And faith and endurance. Endurance is a hard thing. Endurance means you're going through it. You're going through difficulty and trials. Let's look at Hebrews 10, verses 36 through 38 on the next slide. Even you should see the verses as well on the screen. But let's follow along in our, in our Bibles. For ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto the perdition, but of them who believe to the saving of the soul. Let's go on now to chapter 11, verse number 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith isn't some pie in the sky. It's something tangible. It's something that results in something in your life. Your faith should be visible, tangible. It should result in something in your life. Now, let's look at verses 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. How did he please God? Verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now let's go down to verse uh, chapter, uh, no, verses uh, 32 uh, at the end of chapter number 11 here, and if you read chapter number 11, boy, it should stir your heart. You see how God worked with normal people. All the heroes of the faith were born the same way you and I were, right? They had parents. Some of them had parents that were worse than others. Um, some of them were rich. Some were poor. But they all had something in common. They lived by faith. And God was pleased by that. What pleases God? Faith does. Without that, you can't please him. If you're not living by faith, you're not pleasing God. We have to live by faith. In the Christian life, really, it's all-encompassing. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. That's pretty all-encompassing. My entire life is about faith. Let's look up verse 32 now in chapter 11. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, 
who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Boy, that's a nice testimony of faith. That's very positive. We like that. Let's look at the next list. And others, people living by faith, people living lives pleasing to God, were tortured, not accepting deliverance. They had the opportunity to be delivered, but they said, no, I'm not surrendering my faith, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. That's God's opinion, by the way. The Holy Spirit put that in there. God said the world wasn't worthy of these people. The world did its worst to them, but God had some better thing for them. They wandered in deserts and in mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith. Now look at verse number 2. For by it the elders obtained a good report. By faith, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Jump back to verse number 39. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. That's hard. You live by faith. You trust God. You live your whole life for him. What do you get out of it? In life. Looks pretty bad. In life. Where's the reward? In life, people say, that said cruel mockings. Doesn't seem very good. But we're going to look at faith and the endurance of faith because the Christian understands something that others can't. And we're going to see something, the beauty and the value on the other side of faith. God, look at this, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. First, chapter 12, verses number 1 through 3. The scripture focus here, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Those are those ones he talked about, the whole list of those who witnessed to the same thing. The just shall live by faith. The witness of the same thing. They pursued God. They sought after Him. They lived for Him. Let us lay aside every weight. We have examples. Look, they did it. They set aside the weight. We need to do the same thing. Hey, if they could do it, if they could trust God, you can too. But you may say, but I'm not some great hero of the faith. Well, guess what? Nobody was before they lived by faith, before they trusted God. It's not about us. It never was. It's about the God we serve. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience. Endurance is another word for that. Patience, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Look at that word again, endured. Endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Perhaps you've experienced that as well. Contradiction of sinners against you. People at the workplace who mock your Christian faith. 
people who oppose you whenever you try to go forward for God. Contradiction of sinners against himself. Jesus endured the same thing, lest he be wearied and faint in your minds. Look, God knows what you're going through. He understands. He's been through it. So, I'd like us to go on now to James, chapter number one now, just a couple pages over. Look at verses two through four. We're laying a foundation. I really want you tonight to retain these passages we've just looked at. Keep them in your mind, because we're going to circle around back to Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three. We're going to lay a little bit of a foundation. Keep on. Put your seatbelts on. If you listen quick, I'll finish quick. Amen? So, uh, verses two through four. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, this seems like an oxymoron. He says, be happy when you have problems. What? I am not happy when I have problems. I hate problems. And I'm not a patient person, which is maybe why God gives me problems. Um, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work. That's a complete work. You got to let it do its full thing. That's why he says, let patience. There's volition there. Let patience, what's patience? The trying of your faith, worketh patience, have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. What is God doing to you? What do you get out of trials? What did those people get out of trials? God working on them, and we're going to see that a little bit more in a little bit. But like us now for a moment, let's go ahead and let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these moments you've given us. I pray you'd bless preaching of your word. Help me, God, to say only what's pleasing to you. Help each and every one of us, no matter where we are in our Christian walk, to hear and to listen, to allow your word to work in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we would leave this place not just hearers, but doers of your word. Fill me with your spirit, and I pray you'd fill every person here with your spirit, that we may go forth from this place honoring and glorifying you in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen. So how does faith endure? What about faith brings endurance? The testing of faith brings patience. It brings experience. Patience, endurance, staying under the pressure while it does its work is so necessary in the Christian life. For the analogy of diamonds, how are they formed? We take a lump of coal, so to speak. It's probably not exactly how it happens. Someone probably knows the scientific explanation better than me. But what is it? Carbon, heat, and pressure, and time. What about baking a cake? Anybody here like cake? I love chocolate cake, amen? That's good. We're going to have some at the marriage supper of the Lamb, I hope. Um, but cake, what happens when you put it in the oven, right? How long does it take? Well, it depends. But what happens if you take it out before it's had its time? It's perfect with the oven having its perfect work. What's the cake going to be like? It's going to be ooey-gooey and mushy on the inside. It's not going to be very good. The perfecting work of patience. You have to let it have its full effect in you. Why does it say patience? Well, because it means you have to wait until it does its full work. What is patience by definition? Well, waiting until the right moment, waiting till it's complete. I don't have much of that. I'm not a patient driver. I'm not a patient going anywhere. I am not, I don't like waiting. Anybody else like waiting? Nobody likes waiting. Patience is hard. We don't like it. That's why God has to do it in our lives, the work of patience. But here's the thing about faith. God makes us wait a lot, doesn't he? 
Is God in a hurry? Last time I checked, no. <laughs> he's not in a hurry. He's eternal. He's everlasting. He's not going anywhere. He's not limited by time like we are. We feel that limitation. God, I got to have it now. I got to have that blessing now. I need that answer now. And God says, you'll get it at the right time. That's hard. Wait. <clears throat> Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You know, in the Old Testament, the term waiting on the Lord basically referred to faith. That's how they described it. A person of faith was one who waited on the Lord. How long did it take Abraham to receive the promise after God told him to move? He was about 70, 75, 25, 30 years later, he gets the promise. Then a few years later, God says, I want you to offer him. What about Jesus? How long did it take him to be able to begin his role as Messiah? He was 12. He's in the temple. Wish you not, I should be about my father's business. He had to wait another 18 years before he could get busy. What about Moses? How long was he in Midian taking care of sheep? What was God doing with him? He was preparing him, getting him ready, but it took time for him to be ready. God was working on him. What about David? How long did it take for him to be anointed and then become king? A long time went by. David went through a lot of trials and difficulties. David was being prepared by God, and there's a work of patience in him. In the meantime, you have faith. Let's look at now the action of faith. What does faith do? Let's go to Romans chapter number 4. I love this passage. Romans 4, talking about Abraham, the father of faith. And Paul here in his great explanation of the justification of faith explains Abraham. Notice verses 20 through 21. Well, actually, let's go back a little bit. Verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Notice how we begin with the word of God, the promise of God. His word is what is the beginning, and he works in us. Against hope believed in hope. Verse 19, and being not weak in faith. Notice something that might weaken your faith. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. You know, faith requires us to look beyond our own weaknesses. Oftentimes we make excuses. Yeah, but I'm not a good public speaker. Yeah, but I'm not this, I'm not that. I have this limitation. Abraham had some limitations. His wife had some limitations. But he said, I have to look past that because God's promise is true in spite of my limitations. That's the wonderful thing about God and his power. Considered not as now his body now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the dentist of Sarazum. There were some things that the human mind would say, yeah, but that can't work. But he had to say, you know what? Stop bothering me with those things. God said something, I believe it. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 21, I love this verse. And being fully persuaded that he was able, uh, that what he had promised he was able also to perform. That's the key to faith. That's the action of faith. What does faith do? It trusts. It remains loyal. It hopes. It follows. It believes. It believes God's promises. 
Faith, we go to the next one. Faith believes God's promises. Do you believe God's promises are true? Abraham acted and moved because he believed God's promise. Abraham believed that what God that God could do what he said he would do. Do you believe that? Faith believed God's promises. It believes God's word is final. And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It believes in God's power. God is able. God said it. He's not going to lie. I can trust him. It believes in God's power. God is able. It believes that God's power is absolute. It believes that God has all power. Think about it. Remember Hebrews 11.6. We're going to keep going back to this verse because it's so beautiful and so powerful. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. Is what? Everything he said he is. Believe God for who he is. And that's what faith brings you to. We're going to see that in a little bit. But what the reward of faith is. Faith believes in God's power. And then faith acts accordingly. Faith acts accordingly. God said, I know he's able, so I'm going to go do it. Because, well, God said it. He's able. I should trust him. It acts according to what it knows from God's precepts. It knows that God has the final say. It believes that. Do you believe that God has the final say in your life? Do you believe that God has the final say about your life? One day you will stand before him. Do you believe that? If you do, you'll see it in your life, in how you live and how you act. Faith continues in patience because it knows that a final day is coming. Faith looks to that city that is coming. That's what Hebrews 11 talks about. They look for a better city. We're not living for here. We're not living for now. Faith isn't about the blessings we get. Faith isn't about the things that God would give us. Faith is not about the blessings. It's about the blesser. God leads us to him. Faith looks at the city that is coming. Faith says, you know what? I believe in God's promises. I trust God, so let's move forward. I'd like us to Look now, faith endures for reward, Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I want you to remember this. Take your Bibles and open to Genesis 15. And we'll get there in a moment. Just hold your finger there. Genesis 15. I want to show you something. I love this passage. And I love the story of Abraham. There's so many lessons in faith and mistakes, what not to do. <laughs> I love how God is transparent about us. We'll get back to Genesis 15 in just a moment. But without faith, it's impossible. So faith endures for reward. Notice Hebrews eleven six, It says that without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Thank God is a rewarder. God rewards not just an eternity future. He's not just going to reward you after you die. There are rewards along the way. It's wonderful to see God do that. Faith endures for a reward. Just like those in an exercise program, what's the reward? Getting out of shape. What I mean by that? Well, round is a shape too. You got to get into a different shape. Getting into shape, you exercise, you work out. Why? Well, because you want to be stronger, whatever it is. What is the reward of faith? What's in it for us? What do we get out of faith? 
What is the purpose of all the things we read about in the Bible? Why did God do what he did? Why did he give us this book? Why did God choose Abraham? Why did Jesus go to the cross? And for the Christian, what is the purpose of the sufferings in faith? The ultimate reward of faith is God and knowing him deeply. Genesis chapter number 15, verse number 1. The ultimate reward of faith is God in knowing him deeply. Genesis 15, 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Abraham, don't worry. Don't be afraid. It's not about the land. It's not just about your son. It's about me. I am the exceeding great reward. Do you, what is the greatest thing we have as believers? God. Think about that. The Almighty, the creator of the universe, who holds the universe in his hand, who has all power. You get to know him. And what is faith? It's the pursuit of him. Hebrews eleven six. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and is a reward of them that diligently seek him. Your life in faith is all about pursuing God. Not stuff, not blessings, but God himself. That's what we pursue as believers. We pursue Christ. And then he's formed in us. We come like him. The ultimate reward of faith is God. The main purpose of what God did was to draw us close to him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about it. The main purpose of what God did was to draw us close to him. God's intent has been to restore our relationship with him so that we can learn who he is. Jesus said in John 14, that where I am, there ye may be also. It's always been about us being with him. God values you. Do you value him? Think about how much he values you. Think about how much he values your friend at work who's not saved. Think about how much he values your neighbor. Think about it. In faith, what do you learn about God when you go through it, the trial, the patience, being under that hardship? What do you learn about God? Job, chapter 42. Let's go there briefly. Job 42, and perhaps you know the story of Job. He's a man living for God who would pray and, and, and would have supplication and intercession for his children who may not have been doing right. He offered sacrifices in their stead, and he was doing right. He had a testimony that he was a man who pleased God. What happened to Job? The devil doesn't like it when we live a life pleasing to God. He wants to mess things up for us. So the devil goes to God and says, I bet you you could get Job to curse you to your face. You've just been too nice to him. He's never endured anything. God says, I know Job. The devil, I'm going to show you something. God let the devil take everything away from Job except for his own life. doesn't understand he has these three friends. Don't you appreciate friends that when you have trials come and say, you know what, brother, it's your fault. You no, know, it's really you that's the problem. Notice this. Verse 1, then Job answered the Lord and said, at chapter 42, so Job 42, verses 1 through 5, I know, verse, chapter, verse 2 now, I know that thou canst do everything. Job understands, look God, I get it. You're all powerful. 
and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that holdeth counsel without knowledge? Who's the guy who was talking about things that didn't know about? That was me. Therefore have I uttered that I understood not, things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. What did Job get to experience through his trial? He got to know God in a new way, a way he never did before. In faith, what do you learn about God? Have you ever tried God out? Have you ever tested what he said to see if it works? How many of you have tested giving? You're like, you know, God, I'm going to trust you with my finances. That can be scary, especially in a a world where inflation is kind of crazy. Things aren't getting any cheaper at all, anywhere. (laughs) Romania, Canada, United States. I went to the United States. I wanted to go get a sub sandwich. used to have $5 footlongs. I walked in there. It was 19 bucks. $19 for a footlong. Uh, what in the world? God is able to take care of us. What happened when you decided to stop holding onto control of things and decided to let God have rule in your life? What happened when you entrusted your well-being to God's care? Did you find out God is faithful? I remember a time when I had a two weeks uh, uh, in 2015. Uh, I was on deputation after I had met Arzu. And uh, it was September, and I had two weeks. I was back at my sending church in Minnesota. And, uh, and, and uh, so on a Sunday morning, the Lord lays something on my heart. I had 530 some dollars in my bank account. And the Lord says, I want you to put 500 in the offering plate. I said, God, if I put 500 bucks in the offering plate, am I going to have anything? Do you trust me? You got me. All right. I'll put 500 in the offering plate. So I did. I took out my checkbook. I wrote a check for $500, and I would have $38 left in my bank account. I thought, great, you know, what am I going to do? I have $38 until further notice. So that evening after church, um, we're just fellowshipping, and a man in our church walks up to me. He says, hey, Brother Nibby, are you handy? I said, I hope so. He says, hey, I'm moving my business, and I need some help moving. Would you be willing to help for, you know, a while? I said, sure. He said, yeah, 7 in the morning tomorrow, if you could come to my place, I got a lot of work to do. It's going to be dirty work. Do you know what I do for a living? I said, yeah, I know what you do for a living. Yeah, I know you raise boa constrictors. He had 900 of them living in his house as a breeder. So he's breeding boa constrictors. So, you know, come on over and help me. Does that bother you? I said, no, I'm, as long as they're caged up. He said, don't worry, they're not going to bite you. So I started working there. At the end of the first day, he comes up to me and says, hey, Brother Nibby, how much should I pay you? I said, well, I wasn't expecting to get paid. Well, I said, you know, if you, if you want to, that's up to you. It's your prerogative. If you think I work well, you can pay me whatever you think I was worth. I said, okay, I'll give you 15 bucks an hour. I said, really? So he gave me two weeks of work, sun up to sundown, 10 days of work. And at the end of it, I had $1,200. God gave me that. I thought, wow, that must have been God. I trusted him. There was no agreement. There was no negotiation. He didn't tell me he was going to pay me, but God did that. Why? Trust in him. You can trust him. God is faithful. What did I learn through that? I learned it's a good idea to trust God. Let's refer back to the principle of Hebrew eleven six, the pursuit of God. So if God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, the result of faith should be God. Let's look at the life of Paul. Philippians chapter three. 
I love this passage because it basically sums up what living by faith means. Philippians chapter number 3, verses 8 on through 16. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Literally, it means the excellency of Christ is over-the-top good. That's the Greek word, kind of excellency, but over-the-top, amazing. It's so beyond anything. It's so excellent. There's nothing that compares to the excellency of Christ. Verse uh, 8, of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Look at, look at, he understood the value of Christ was so good that he counted all the things that he had before, but dung that I may win Christ. Paul understood something. He discovered something in his life by faith. Jesus himself is better than everything else. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Verse 10, notice that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, that if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, a singular focus, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth and those things which are before. He's basically saying Hebrews eleven six 6 here. He that cometh to God must believe he is, is a rewarder of them that diligently pursue him. That's what this describes. Right here, Paul's saying, my pursuit is Christ. It's him that I may know him. It's knowing him. All the sufferings. I get to know more about Christ through that. The fellowship of his sufferings. I suffered. He suffered. There's a fellowship there. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. That means mature. The mature Christians think the same way. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be fathers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. The, ex the experience of Paul. What the flesh could gain to him was trash, so he abandoned it. Verse 10, that key verse, that I may know him. The work of life, the work of faith in Paul's life. He knew the power of the resurrection. That is the Christian life. That is the same power that raised up Jesus, working in and through you for the victory in the flesh against sin and the devil. But then it says the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. That's the life of faith. Then we see a parallel here. Verses 12 to 14, he left the old country, forgot those things that were behind, pursued that which was before him. So then what's the mentality of a mature believer? It's living by faith. Philippians 3 sums up what it means to live by faith. It's all about God and what he wants. That's it. It's all about God and what he wants through me. Not just from me. In me. Through me. What does God want? Romans 12 Verses 1 and 2, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It starts there. God, here I am, whatever you want. You have to be all in. 
faith. The life of faith is all in. Jesus said, there is no partial following me. If any man come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. Let the bed, dead bury their dead, he said. Deny yourself, follow me. It's being determined to let God reign in your heart and life. Then we see now finally faith's example of endurance. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's go back there and we'll close here just briefly. Just a few more minutes and we'll be closed. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. There's a whole cloud of people who testified to the same thing. That's what the word witnesses mean. They're the people who obtained a good report. I'd like you to notice to consider something, though. There is always a joy at the end of faith. There's always a joy in the end of faith. There's always a joy at the end of the race of faith. There's always joy in the midst of it. What was the joy that Christ endured so much to gain? for the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? Any thoughts? It's us. You. He endured that so you could know him and he could know you. Relationship. You knowing God. So what is faith? It's pursuing God, learning of him, living a life that pleases him. So why do we go through such hardships? Why is it so hard? Why? Sometimes the clay has impurities and God has to break it and reshape it. Sometimes we go through the furnace and the silver and the gold has to be tried by fire so he can take out the dross. God is forming you, shaping you. What was the joy that Christ endured so much to gain? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by, Christ, by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Amazing what God did, what Jesus endured. How do we endure then? How do we endure? Hebrews 12, 3, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest he be wearied and faint in your mind. You know, God said that because he knows that there are going to be trials you're going to go through that are going to be so heavy, you're going to be like, I quit. You ever felt like that before in your Christian life? I can't do this anymore. In your mind, you're thinking, there's just no way. It's not worth it. That's why God said, consider him. Remember Jesus, the one who endured so much for you? He took up his cross. That's why Jesus said, take up your cross and follow him. Because you're going to have to endure. Remember Jesus. Think about Jesus. Consider him. That means to meditate on, to remain on, to let him be in your mind. The Bible also talks about, Paul explained this, how that as we consider him and look at Jesus, that has a transforming work in our lives. God transforms us through who he is. 
the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. He endured sinners being against him constantly. He endured betrayal. He endured physical pain. He endured death. But on the other side was you. On the other side was a congregation of the firstborn, a kingdom that cannot be moved. On the other side was glory and honor above all things. The author and finish of our faith did it so that he could know you and so that you could be with him. Faith is a two-way street. As you go towards God, he comes towards you. The Bible says, draw nigh unto him, and he will draw nigh unto you. That's faith. Christ, the author of our faith, pleased his Father. He pursued his Father's will. In faith, we follow our example. We pursue God and his heart. We pursue doing what is pleasing to him. Faith is the pursuit of God in his heart. And in faith, that is what you will discover. It has always been about our relationship with Christ. It is the purpose of faith. It brings us to God. Its origin is God. We love him because he first loved us. Its destination is God. That's what faith leads us to. It leads you to God. Faith is not lip service. It requires action. Yes, God pursued, pursued you, but he pursued you and expects that you would pursue him with passion as he pursued you. In Hebrews eleven six, 6, the word diligent refers to zealous with zeal, heat, a fire, a heart that is on fire. To endure, we must consider Christ. Faith endures because it never forgets its object. It trusts in the power of the one who promised and values the reward it will receive. Tom Brady, anybody here like Tom Brady? Anybody like the Patriots? Some of you like the Patriots. I have to respect Tom Brady. I never was a fan of the Patriots. But think about these guys, these athletes, like Kobe Bryant. Their whole life was about their sport. They dedicated their whole bodies. They were living sacrifices, so to speak, so they could win a Super Bowl, so they could hit a golf ball into a hole, so they could shoot a ball through a hoop. They were fully devoted to it. Tom Brady, once he was at a golf tournament, in the off-season, for Tom Brady, there was no such thing as off-season. In the off-season, and he's out there in the parking lot doing exercises. One of the other guys, an NFL player, said, Tom, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to win a Super Bowl. That was his one thing. One thing I do, I want to win Super Bowls. That's all I'm about. This one thing I do as a Christian. What's this one thing I do that I may know him? I press towards the mark. You know what it means to press? Think about football or running that extra long marathon. You're pressing towards something. You're not stopping till you get there as we close this evening. Perhaps you have been at this Christian life for a while now, or perhaps you're new to it. It hasn't been quite sunshine and roses for you. Perhaps today you're in the midst of a storm. Perhaps you feel like you did something dumb and got yourself into it. Think about Peter when he walked on the water. First it was exciting, but then he's on the water, the wind's blowing, the waves are beating against him, and about that time he probably started to feel kind of dumb. What am I doing out here? <laughs> I'm not supposed to be walking on water, but he was. Then he doubts God and he falls, begins to stink into the water. God raises him up. You messed up, you doubted God, and you took things into your own hands. You trusted in your own way of thinking, and it went awry. Perhaps you're like Job. You're doing everything right. You have been faithful. You have been following the Lord. You have been pursuing God with your whole heart. You've been praying for the lost. You've been a good example. You have a sterling testimony, but nothing is going right. In fact, it's going really bad. 
You know, faith is not a guarantee that things will always turn out the way we think they should. Faith is not a guarantee that God will come through just the way you imagined he should. Remember reading about people sawn asunder? About people who were homeless and lived in caves, were fugitives for their faith? They died in faith, but faith isn't about us. It's not a key to getting what you want in life or having it easy. Faith is about one thing, pursuing God, knowing him more experiencing his grace, his presence, and his person. The joy of your faith is God. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Faith can endure because its object made the race, Christ. The race has been won. Now you have a course to run. Just like for the author, things might go bad, really bad. They only go bad for a while, though. On the other side, there is a joy. And in the midst of it, there is a joy that comes by God's grace, a peace that passes understanding, God's provision, God's power, and his ability. What is the endurance of faith? How can it endure? We have an author and finisher of our faith who endured so much. Remember to look to him. Remember that God's powerful. His promises are true, and God is able to deliver us even when we think it's not possible. Remember, the greatest reward of faith is God. And through faith, you learn about him in the ways, and you see his grace in ways you never thought possible.